0: Welcome to Connecting with the Toms podcast. I'm your co-host, Julie Tom, a trauma-informed movement specialist.
1: I'm Dr. Dick Tom, a biological medicine physician. Uh, we wish to share the untold truth about health and fitness industry based on our combined 70-plus years of experience. We want you to connect and feel empowered in your own mind and body by interacting with each other.
0: The show is about connection for you, for us, and for the world. This is Connecting with the Toms podcast. Let's start connecting. Welcome to another episode of Connecting with the Toms. I'm Julie. I'm Dr. Tao. And today I'm super excited to offer this opportunity for us to take a deeper dive into my dad's brand new book called Begin Again, Trauma, Disease, and Healing with the Brain Protocol and Biological Medicine. Dad... I'm so excited to talk to you about this. I know this is something you've been working on for quite a a while, four years. So can you tell us a little bit about where did you get the idea to write this book?
1: Of course, this, uh, as you know, is my 53rd year since I started medical school. So it's been really my whole life that uh, I've been trying to support people, trying to support and understand physiology, trying to understand why people have particular challenges that they have. Individual life. And so, you know, after practicing as a dentist for a number of years and then practicing, going back to school and practicing as a, as a naturopath, uh, it seemed evident that, you know, people have all sort and all nature of a whole variety of different problems. Uh, I studied for years with uh, my mentor, Dr. Gerard Pinil, who was a French uh, homeopath, French medical doctor. Who to me was the most brilliant physician that I ever had the opportunity to study with and to work. Uh, I had worked and studied with him for some period of time and then in the late 1990s. Uh, uh, at a particular seminar that I was at, Dr. Gino presented uh, a whole thing that he had been working on for some years, which is basically the treatment of brain injured children. Uh, brain injured from the aspect of some nature, of some type of a trauma. Uh, they had fallen downstairs. they'd fallen out of a crib, they had fallen off a change table, or they had had a bike accident or motor vehicle accident or whatever. And they uh, basically had had significant TBI, uh, and it interfered dramatically with their evolution and their development. And in fact, they have stopped their development, uh, not only mentally and emotionally, but also physically. Presented at this seminar a, a, a protocol uh, to be able to uh, reprogram the brain, reprogram the body uh, on all levels, uh, not just the brain, but also the endocrine system, uh, also the immune system, and also all the different organs uh, that we have <clears throat> uh, that, that's going on. So he presented at this uh, particular seminar back in the 90s, you know, a, a particular uh, variety of different types of uh, homeopathic remedies he had been using uh, in his practice for a number of years that he had been sharing with his colleagues uh, in France and in Belgium uh, where these products were available. And as I was sitting there listening to it, I had this light come on because I had been dealing with with, uh, autism. Uh, I had been dealing with a particular family who had adopted uh, three brain, I'm going to call them brain-injured children, uh, who had basically all been born to parents who were either alcoholic or meth addict or cocaine addict, uh, etc. And so these three children all had some form of neurological uh, problem and how they uh, interacted with the world but specifically this uh, one boy who had been treating probably for two or three years at this point. So we're talking the late 90s time. Uh, he was on a number of different medications. He had five different diagnoses, uh, uh, fetal alcohol syndrome. Uh, he was on the spectrum. He had attachment disorders. There was five diagnoses. And he was basically on incredibly heavy duty medication and was pretty much non-talking. He was literally drugged in- to not being able to cope with him. And I had treated him. We had been able to successfully, uh, I'll say successfully, wean him off uh, these uh, some of these medications to the point where he could at least function. He was not able to go to school because he was, he was just was not uh, teachable at that particular point in time. But as I listened to Dr. Deneau, uh, I had this idea. I said, oh, my God. What would happen if I use that particular protocol uh, with this young man? And so no sooner had I come back uh, from that seminar uh, into my practice, I called the mom and I said, there's something that we have never, I've never heard about it, I've never tried it, but we're going to be able to uh, institute an entirely new protocol with this young man. Fortunately, none of the remedies are available in the United States or Canada because we have just been presented this. But I have made uh, inroads, and I will be able to obtain these particular remedies. And when we get them, if you're willing, I would like to start it with this young man. And the mother, of course, was more than enthusiastic and was anxious uh, for me to get started with her son. So it took whatever it took uh, to get the remedies into into the US. And so started uh, using the remedies. and. My memory is correct. It was February, it was uh, Valentine's Day of 2000 when we physically gave these remedies at the very first time for the show. And a week later, his mother called and said, I don't know if it's just my mind, voiceful thinking, but he is there. Something is different about this young man within seven days starting this particular protocol, something that uh, we had never seen with any of the other. Two years of treatment that I've been giving him he said well let's let's just be hopeful let's sort of see how things go uh, over a period of time and so this young man was the very first person on this on this continent who basically started to receive these protocols that I have outlined in detail uh, in the book so over a period of time we went through uh, the stages of, of doing the protocol he you know, he didn't suddenly uh, become a so-called uh, regular, normal, uh, interactive human being, but he became fully functional to the point where he was off all medications. He was able to go to school with his two siblings. And no sooner had we finished treatments with his, his him that his mother said, well, I need to do it with my two other children. Sure enough, we did it with her two other children. And then as she was doing that, she said, well, I think my husband and I need to do so, it. Those are the first five people in this country, uh, this continent who basically did uh, the brain protocol. So initially the brain protocol that had been presented by Dr. Guineau was three phases of life. It was the conception until about 18 months which we call phase one. And then it was about 18 months to uh, seven which was phase two. And then from seven to puberty was phase three. And because Dr. Guineau had pretty much worked with children those were the only three phases that he, uh, he basically uh, had instituted and was using with the patients that he was seeing. So that was fine. I started off using three phases because I thought that's what we had to do. And I thought uh, this was going to be a treatment for children until the mom, dad, uh, used it and said, oh my gosh, we're having some pretty significant improvements ourselves. And they weren't children of doing this type of thing. So, you know, over the course of, uh, you know, a period of time, I don't remember exactly, as we're talking over 20, almost 25 years ago uh, that I was using that, there was one week, I remember it so well uh, into this, where uh, a young man who was probably about 12, uh, 13, and, and, an, and an older gentleman, probably in his 40s or 50s, who I had been doing with this, literally both in the same week said, you know, we're not done. So what do you mean? I said, we have gone through the three protocols, the three phases that you that you have lined for us, but we know that there's things still that need to come up in general. I said, oh, we don't have anything. And it happened almost concurrently, within five days of each other. And I said, okay, we're not done. Obviously we're not done developing at the age of puberty. There's something else that, uh, that needs to happen. So over the next uh, period of time, I always had residents who worked with me. Uh, we went back to studying physiology. I went back to studying embryology. I went back to studying biochemistry. And I literally started to do a, a deep dive into well, what happens to your brain in puberty? What happens to your org, What happens to your immune system? You know, which we had done in the first three phases. And then after that, we said, oh, well, that's not done because now we have, you know, the college years. There's something that happens in college years. Oh, we have uh, phase five now. Oh, and then what happens after phase five? Oh, we have the nervous system that doesn't mature well into the 20, uh, often almost 30 uh, for men, maybe 25 for women. And they said, are we done? Oh, no, there's another phase. There's the phase of andropause and menopause. Oh, my gosh, we have seven phases. So Dr. Pinot laid out the first three phases, and I added, uh, basically, the last uh, four phases so we have what i call the seven phase brain protocol that basically puts people literally from the moment of their conception all the way up through whatever age they are if they're menopause andropause age they go through all seven phases if they're 42 years old they'll only do six phases so they go through what their chronological age is so over the years, you know, that was starting 2000. So over the years, of course, I would present some highlights of, of what I was experiencing with my patients who, uh, in a number of the seminars. And I taught widely uh, throughout the world. I would invariably bring up this protocol that uh, nobody else was doing because I pretty much was the one who developed it and uh, figured it out myself beyond uh, Dr. Ino's initial presentation. And after I had been using it uh, several years, Dr. Guineau, I was still living in Portland in those days. Uh, Dr. Guineau came to Portland and uh, we took a whole day and we went through uh, that particular, we went to the walk in the board and I told him about the work I had been doing and these additional phases. And he was like super excited. He said, wow, this is beyond uh, you know what I had been working and what he was working with the children. He says, this is now not about his brain-injured children. This is about anybody. This is about drama. And, of course, the aspect of being a physician, many people would have told me, and people are thinking, well, what kind of drama do you have? People said, oh, I was 14 years old and I was raised. Oh, that's a pretty significant drama. Or we moved seven times before I was 10. Oh, that's a pretty significant drama. Or my grandma died, uh, you know, when at such and such an age, you know, and it was never the same since. And so what, hap- what ended up happening is what one person perceived to be a trauma. is not necessarily what somebody else perceived as a trauma. And how did that mature? How did that evolve to what the person was experiencing at 40 or 50 years of age? And by putting patients through these particular protocols, what I was able to find is we were able to have them re-experience challenges that they had experienced at some point in their life. We said, whoa, do you really want to do that? They said, well, the reason that we wanted to do that is because the way that we respond, the way that my patients respond to everyday life is almost always related to what they experienced in earlier parts of their life. And so what I, the term that I Apply to it as their living through learned perception. Their perception of the world was based on what their exposures had been some point earlier in their life. Literally, it could have been what their mother had experienced even before they were conceived. Uh, And in the book, I talk about uh, patients through Auschwitz who basically, you know, were children and lived through Auschwitz and then, you know, grew up, got married children, what that child perspere, and what their grandchild experienced. So we have transgenerational uh, experiences and I have a number of uh, references in the book uh, where research has been done that shows that uh, a mother who has anxiety before she's conceived, her child will invariably have anxiety genetically uh, without ever re- experiencing any of the same trauma. So these learned perceptions are something that I believe we using the protocols that I outline in the book uh, are capable of sort of coming to the surface. I can think of one patient who during the protocol experienced her own birth, she basically and through dream and through daydreams and nightdreams, she was able to see exactly what happened. And and she'd always wondered why in her entire life, I don't remember the color, but I'm gonna say green, but I don't remember. She always had a dislike for a color, and she always had a strong dislike for a smell, a specific smell. And sure enough, during her birth, that color and that smell was in the, was in the hospital. And she had a very traumatic birth for a number of reasons that were going on. So immediately, she, her learned perception was, I don't like this color and I don't like the smell. Once she went through the brain protocol, had this revelation, that that's why she didn't like the color and didn't like the smell. Suddenly, that color and that smell was no longer an issue because she was able to release it. And so what I found with the hundreds and hundreds of people that uh, haven't been able to experience going through uh, you know, what I described throughout the book is the aspect of why you react the way you do, why you speak the way you do, why you believe what it is that you believe. is because of people who are around you. Obviously, it's our parents or it's our siblings, it's just our grandparents, but it's also when we get into uh, relationships, when we get into our 20s and married life or relationship life, you know, the experiences of those. And so you don't have to, these are not just traumas that occurred in childhood. These traumas occur at every age. These traumas can occur when you're 90 years old and still can have an influence on how you, the glasses through which you uh, look through life. So, of course, I had done, was treating hundreds of people. I was uh, introducing the concepts, the, uh, the highlights, we'll say, of the protocols uh, in the seminars that I was teaching uh, through the 2000s and the, you know, the 2000s and teens per se. And then, of course, you can well imagine, since I was teaching to many, so many physicians, probably have taught over 5,000 physicians over uh, all the years, uh, as well as tens of thousands of lay people. They kept saying, "How do we learn more about the brain protocol? How do we know what it is that we should be doing? How do we know, you know, how what what a patient may bring? How do we explain this to our patients when we start to undertake this?" And so, literally, it was the result of that type of uh, feedback. I'll say, and I was getting to a point. I said, "Am I going to retire? I'm not going to retire. What if I retire and nobody else knows anything about this?" I better write it down and i better teach it to more people because sooner or later i'm not going to be doing this for everybody literally very very if any people presently on this planet who don't have learned perception from a previous trauma in their life throughout the book i outline a number of cases of specific patients, obviously they're not identified by name, just identified by circumstance and situation uh, that they told me uh, when they were going through their particular experience of going through, uh, in most cases, the seven phases uh, of the brain protocol for what's going on. So as a result of that, I started to write this book and I thought, oh, I'll just write this book then. So I wrote the book and uh, sent it to a publisher and the publisher said, this book, is of no interest to to some Like, why would they want to read this book because you're just sharing a bunch of stuff? uh, So I said, okay, well, I'll rewrite it with a different framework. I'll rewrite it with a different framework that will allow people to understand that the reason that maybe they have rheumatoid arthritis or the reason that they have anxiety or the reason that they have depression or the reason that they have premenstrual syndrome or didn't matter what the problem was, that there may be an underlying true cause of their problem because very often, especially with psychological problems, many times the doctor says, or let's say cancer, doctors say, well, we don't know why. And I'm not saying that trauma is the only cause of cancer, but I will say that I've treated a lot of people with the brain protocol who have cancer, who have credible revelations uh, as to what's going on. We've already talked about everybody listening to this podcast right now has maybe a million cancer cells in their body. Uh, And we do know it's also suggested that by 2050, the number of patients with cancer is going to double. We now already know that one in two men in their lifetime will have cancer and one in three women in their lifetime will have cancer. We're going to double those numbers. We're talking within the next uh, 30 years, significant numbers of patients. Now, do they all have to manifest? Of course. The million cancer cells that you have in your body right now doesn't mean you're going to develop cancer. It doesn't mean you're going to die of cancer. Uh, There's other things that people die of. However, we do know that the influence that trauma has had does have a significant impact on your immune system, and your immune system has a very significant developmental component based on what you've been exposed to, uh, what your learned perceptions are and perceived perceptions are. And the trauma which is is always of interest because I have done this with uh, identical twins genetically they you can't they you can't tell any different however when there's an experience and the one I can think of specifically was the grandparent dying identical twins, and one of the twins this was like totally devastating. I don't remember they were seven eight years old or exactly per se one of the twins who like dramatically affected the rest of her life. The other twin is like, oh, like, oh, really sad. We won't be able to da 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 And so it's like, for her, that learned perception was like, no big deal. For the one twin, it dramatically affected the rest of her life, per se. And so by going through the brain protocol, she was able to realize that she's been holding on to something, a grief that of course is seven-year-old you would think would have a grief. They both had grief, but they both experienced it differently. So their learned perception was very different. So anybody and everybody, it's an individual reaction, no matter what the trauma is. For some person, you know, a trauma falling off, a a change table and hitting their head may dramatically change the rest of their life. And for another child, it would be like, oh, they cried and they were over it. And we, they took some Arnica or something. And that's the end of it. Uh, there was not really uh, much going on. So we have evolved this entire text try and help people understand how does the brain develop? How does the, our organs mature and develop? And the age with which the trauma significantly perceived by the individual, the learned perception and from that is ultimately has a great deal to do with the nature of the types of illnesses that you will experience as you grow through life. In the year 2000, 2001, uh, Penn State and a number of researchers at Penn State uh, published uh, some research where they basically had done a study over a number of years and they basically just asked adults, Tell me about your childhood. And by just asking people their experiences in childhood, they were able to predict which of those people would get cancer, which of those people would get uh, heart disease, uh, which of those people would have, you know, uh, depression, et cetera. And they didn't know why, they just said, I just I, we just asked questions. And they then they followed these people for years. And sure enough, these people who said these answers got cancer. These people who said these answers ended up with heart disease. Yes, some of it's genetic, but a lot of it has to do with this trauma uh, that they had experienced as children uh, or some point earlier in their life uh, for, for what's going on. When I so through you know working with tens of thousands of patients as I have over the last 15 years. It became very evident that this trauma is, in my biased opinion, probably the most significant thing that as a physician, hopefully my or perhaps my legacy, I will be able to impart to future generations to say, it's not that you can avoid trauma. We all have trauma and it's your perception of the trauma and how you ultimately learn to deal with that trauma, that, which will decide, will you will live and die like the queen did recently at uh, age 96 or 97 of old age her mother died at 101 of old age so you know you can say well she had good genetics but she also had a ways to ultimately uh, deal very positively uh, with you know her life experiences uh, that ultimately she, she came through so i would hope that uh, anybody and everybody who is living who is breathing who has children who has grandchildren who has any influence on any other person would be, would be like to read the book, to get some insights into the types of things. And you know and one of the things I would have patients do through this is, and patients on their own, sometimes would write their own autobiography. And I can think of one patient who wrote her own autobiography by decades, from 0 to 10, 11 to 20, 21 to 30, et cetera. And after she wrote it, it was probably the most healing thing that she'd ever been able to, probably more healing than the brain protocol itself. Because what she, when she understood what we were trying to do, she very easily laid out why she was experiencing her challenges as a 50-something-year-old woman, uh, that, where they came from and when they were imparted into her life uh, as to the different types of things that uh, she ultimately was experiencing. So throughout that and through the the, uh, I'll almost call it badgering, of so many of my colleagues, uh, so many of the, of the people who had experience that uh, had the opportunity to ask their partner or a child to say, to think it would be beneficial for them uh, for what's going on. So I will so I'll say that but I'll, so that I don't forget to say this. The brain protocol isn't something that you suddenly say, oh, my God, don't see Dr. Tom. going to put you on this brain protocol and solve the problem. The, uh, what I realized from the errors I did in my early years of doing this is we need to prepare the body for what's about to come. And so every podcast that we have already talked about, all those things are in place. So it's not just if you know somebody doesn't know what a casserole pack is and dry skin brushing and the importance of sleep, like just talked about in our last podcast, uh, and they're not eating for their... Or their temperament, and they're not drinking enough water, and they're not doing some kind of sustainable fitness and uh, functional fitness. It's like we need to get that stuff in place. Uh, you you know, if somebody is having a you know a severe constipation, you know, trying to remove things from the body, it's not the time to start the brain protocol. However, there is a time and a place that everybody, my biased opinion would ultimately benefit from doing it. We'll say it's not easy. It's hard work. Uh, people who go through it have lots of ups and downs uh, from doing it. It's challenging. It's challenging to relive something that maybe you never want to relive. And so you have to be ready for that. Uh, and there are many people who will never be ready for that because it is too dramatic. So, It's not for 100% of the people. However, reading the book, I think it's for 100% of the people because they will learn insights into their own life and uh, learning a couple of things and then thinking about your own past. Uh, If you listen to our, not the insomnia one, but the previous one, where we talked about the exercise that you did to help people understand their purpose and the reason that they do things, you combine that uh, with, you know, what this particular book is outlining and you know, what I would have to really honestly say is your quality of life for whatever years that you have left will be dramatically improved because you'll you'll have a different outlook on how things will be. You'll have a different opportunity to experience life in a different way and how you have responded to somebody cutting you off and road rage no longer that important to you because it's like, who the hell cares? That person obviously has to get there before I do. So go ahead, go for it, uh, type thing. And these everyday things that we experience and, you know, why do we react this way? He said, oh, I don't know why. He said, well, I can almost tell you, you'll find out why. You probably respond the way you do. And you will, and having done this uh, with, as I said, hundreds and hundreds of people, what people have learned and experienced is, they respond based on something that they experienced somewhere earlier in their life, even though it's deeply hitting within, within their unconscious. You know, the brain, we say, doesn't forget anything. You know, like, uh, you know, the proverbial, the elephant never always met, remembers, you know, it was a great memory. Well, so do we, but we don't know how to tap into it. Uh, there's so much we don't know about the brain. In fact, you know, years and years and years ago, I remember them saying, I don't think it's quite true, if you put a dime on the sidewalk beside the Empire State Building, uh, what the brain is capable of is what the Empire State Building is tall, and what we know is about the thickness of the dime. So, And maybe it's a few dimes now. So relatively speaking, what the brain is capable of doing and knowing is still, there's a vast unknown. All we know is it's this more than incredible uh, instrument that allows us to focus and have purpose and propagate our species uh, into the future for, for ultimately what's going on. I think, uh, you know, this is a one of a kind book. There's nothing that's ever been written about it in this particular form because I'm happily to say that I was the one with Dr. Gano's support for the first three phases, who ultimately, through the work with uh, my residents at the time, we sat in libraries. You know, we didn't have Google. And, uh, so much in those days. It was available, but we used actual old textbooks. We went to our medical library and uh, did the work and we studied uh, all the things that we learned in medical school. And I'm happy I did. And in doing the research for the book, I did even so much more. And the reason the book took as long as it did, almost over four years, is because of my editors kept saying, you need to justify that. How do you know this? How do you know that? How do you know that the corpus callosum doesn't mature until eighteen? How do you know that the brain doesn't really mature functionally with myelination until well into the 20? Is there any research? There's tons of research. There's thousands and thousands and thousands of articles that have been written about that type of thing. So, you know, initially, with my first effort at the book and that the, the editor uh, refused, it said, you're just, telling me your personal experience i want to know that somebody else can look up this data and it's true and so what's so each of the chapters that i outlined through the phases talks about what happens during each of these phases and then i was able to find and justify uh, with the research that has been done over the last you know two decades to try and understand how does this body work and how do we develop the way we develop and why do we develop the way we do it you ask. In our last one, you asked what happens when we age? Why do we have insomnia? You know, going through the book, you'll understand what aging happens and why we age and why it's not an unnatural thing. We can either age gracefully or we can age not so gracefully. And the hope is, is that with the book and with the protocols, uh, people will have the opportunity to age uh, very gracefully. Now, that's a long winded discussion. But at least this starting point to give hopefully people an idea of. Of uh, what it is that uh, the effort that I put into uh, bringing this uh, this incredible therapy that uh, Dr. Cano initiated with uh, brain injured children, everybody and anybody who is so interested in improving uh, their quality of life.
0: Wow, that's quite uh, quite a legacy. Quite a legacy of being able to. Being being able to help people release trauma from their bodies is something that it's it's. I'm going to say it's a hot topic now, uh, in the sense that you know there's been a lot of books coming out as of late from you know the body keeps a score and the body says no. What happened to you? There's lots of different books on that are are talking about the same thing. You are in terms of you know how trauma is trapped in the body. So and the fact that you've taken the time to offer the scientific proof of what's actually happening in the body to give that, you know, a lot of people are just like, yeah, you know, a lot of the books that I've read on trauma release, they talk about, you know, they have um, they have an understanding of working with people over a period of time and what happens to the nervous system, what's happening to the brain in different stages. But the fact that you've been able to pull this all together in a culmination and have the scientific proof and the, you know, the actual application of using it with hundreds of people is truly, truly phenomenal. So I'm just thinking it's like, so the brain protocol and this book really lays out like, so if you did, you know, a lot of the trauma healing modalities that a lot of books talk about is like uh neurofeedback or EMDR or cognitive behavioral therapy, parts therapy, drama, acting, you know, there's all these different ways to help people release trauma, somatic therapy. So basically is the brain protocol kind of putting, bringing all these things together? How does it how does the brain protocol differ from these other types of trauma um, releasing therapies
1: all those therapies are often used in conjunction uh, with the with the actual therapies with the actual protocols that we use because it will further enhance uh, the the support that that people are getting and in fact many of the patients that have gone through the brain protocol have been doing neural feedback concurrently or they have been doing the MDR and that type of but I believe that uh, using energetic therapies, which are really what the protocol is, it's using uh, the idea of uh, energies, but energy from homeopathic remedies, but uh, also energetics from using from flower essences, using aromatherapy, using color therapy, from using music therapy, the types of things that uh, are presently used uh, for treating trauma. And I've incorporated those. They weren't early on in the protocols, but uh, I learned as they went along this was a, literally an experimentation, and how do we support more people? So the early, the early ones didn't include all that, but now the last fifteen years or so, uh, when I started to incorporate the, what we call the sensory edition uh, into the protocols. So you know, each of the protocols based on chakras, based on different colors. We have people. You know, we even have people look at specific diet uh, to the different phases based on, you know, the foods that people normally would be eating as a be or a would be eating pregnancy, et cetera, et cetera. So all these are uh, in addition to that. Uh, what those therapies uh, do not include, uh, at least in my experience, is, is the energetic. The idea of even doing transgenerational things. The idea of going back two, three, four generations and looking at great grandparents, what they may have ultimately experienced and why, individual experiences their specific health challenge at this particular time of their life and so the goal is of course so no matter what it is that the person come in with and the whole idea of biological medicine as we previously spoken about is not to treat your symptom but to try and understand why you have the symptom and so people who variably go through the brain protocol have a or a much a much clearer picture uh, of what it is that this is why I have, they say this, whatever it is migraine headaches or breathing problem or digestive problem or whatever it is. Uh, it's, I have been able to, I think, help these individuals. Now, does that say that somebody has rheumatoid arthritis and you go through this and you realize that there was XYZ? Uh, that may have allowed your body to go down this autoimmune process where you're attacking yourself, and you know really that's what an autoimmune disease is. is we have over 80 of them that have been identified. Like, why does the body in rheumatoid arthritis attack your joints and your organs? Why is that different than lupus that attacks different organs, or or the or di- type one diabetes that attacks your uh, your pancreas, or Hashimoto's thyroiditis that attacks your thyroid? Like, is there a specific trauma? And my experience is there is. And it happens at a specific phase that ultimately then puts you down that particular road. And that's the way your body ultimately has learned to cope and learned to, to balance types of things. And so, yes, we still treat all those particular types of conditions and truly address the cause. It's not to say, oh, you have a diagnosis of a disease. And so you can treat it with whatever your doctor is treating it with. It's to say there's a deeper picture uh, to this. And there's another deeper thing that we can uncover. It's like, it's, it's like an, onion, an onion. I say it's like peeling the layers off the onion. If you truly want to find the core, you get to the core of the onion. Just don't take the top layer off and say, oh, that's your problem. I say, no, that's the most, that's the most current problem because I've always believed that The reason that any individual comes to see see me as a physician is really not their problem. It's the the present problem, but it's only a reflection of the past, of where they came from, and it's prediction of where they're going. So when we have that understanding when we treat somebody, we allow people uh, to basically change their direction in which they're going, and they're not going to be predestined necessarily to be one of the people by 2050 who has to manifest cancer uh, that we now know will be doubled from the numbers of one and two men, one and three women.
0: So essentially the brain protocol gets to the root yes. cause?
1: I believe it does. I believe it allows people to uh, facilitate uh, that opportunity uh, to be able to get to an understanding of why they experience life the way they experience life. And when you experience life the way you do, and say, oh, well, it was da-da-da-da. And yes, that's right. Now, you can do something about it, or you can choose to not do something about it. Right. And just because you know doesn't mean it solves the problem. You're going to have to act on it. You're going to have to act on changing something. Perhaps you have to change some of your lifestyle. Perhaps you have to change some of your belief systems because you realize that they were tainted uh, when you developed these systems. Some people say, I don't want to change it they won't. That's fine. But if you have an open mind and an opportunity and a desire to truly create an understanding, especially if you, if the people listening to this have the goal of of, uh, conceiving children and having children and imparting their genetics into the next generation, it's particularly beneficial for them to say, is there anything that I can do now before I conceive a child so that we don't necessarily have to uh, pass it on to the next generation and future and future and future and future generation. Since we know with the idea that you mentioned a minute ago of epigenetics, epigenetics, we know it will be easily uh, transposed and is very much transgenerational. And it's not something that you experience in this particular life. It's something that parents, grandparents, and somewhere in past research and I don't remember where, but I do remember years ago reading that in animal studies, they had traced transgener- transgenerational perceptions back through 80 generations using mice or rats as, as the transgenerational, because they grow very quickly. And have relatively short lifespans relative to, to to studying this type of thing. One of my uh, colleagues, uh, Dr. Plummer, uh, did a study in Europe uh, years ago uh, where He found that uh, if people were not nourished properly, pregnancy in the in the sixth or seventh decade of life, they had a like two or four times increased risk of heart disease, regardless of anything else, Mm. simply from their what the upbringing. And that's crazy. Crazy,
0: Crazy. but I mean, like, there's lots and lots of more research coming out that's you know talking about the same thing, and and the one thing I've learned about healing trauma is it starts with awareness so you have to bring awareness to the table and one question i often get is do i have to relive that trauma like do i have to go through that and in my experience the answer is no because you know and then there's a big debate is trauma biological to me it is because it's a nervous system it's in it's ingrained in the nervous system and essentially i'm assuming i because uh i remember you i mean I, I remember you've you've been working on this for a long time I remember the stories you you telling the story before um I have looked at the brain protocol um but essentially is the brain protocol um, an opportunity for you to reset your nervous system does it work on that
1: the goal that is the entire goal of the entire protocol is gotcha. to you to reset your nervous system so your response and you know in previous uh, <clears throat> these podcasts we've talked about how much effect that the nervous system? Everybody now knows that the you know literally your digestive system, you know, is based on what your brain thinks, and so irritable bowel syndrome, more or less, a nervous system problem, more mm-hmm. than just a problem, absolutely. Uh, you know, type thing. So you know the the gut brain connection is so widely researched, so widely talked about, it's pretty evident. So what I've expanded it to is I've expanded it to every organ. You know, somebody mm. experiencing arrhythmia is. If somebody is experiencing a heart problem. I always say, think of, and you can think about it, think about what happened to you between 17, 18, and 22, 23, because that is the heart fate. And I have mm. so many patients now that yeah. have, uh, they have high blood pressure that they can't seem to control. And, you know, I, they take every medication, they do all the biological therapies, and they still have it. And I say, well, let's go back and look at what happened when you were in college. And then mm-hmm. they start. A college and that would set their hypertension. Or they had their wisdom teeth removed and they weren't done properly and they have a cavitation. Same age. So Mm -hmm. that has an effect on their heart. So there's other aspects beyond just the physical organ that we can look at energetically. And the brain protocol allows people to create this understanding that there are perhaps other things that are involved in their particular life that basically can and once again improve the quality of their life and once again this is not a cure this is, we're not curing anything we're just making bringing revelation and real awareness for people to the surface but they have to then decide whether or not they want to continue on and do whatever is necessary to improve their their own particular station of life
0: right so they're bringing you're bringing awareness to what possibly happened to you in the past and the thing is to to reiterate you don't necessarily have to like go through what that, you know, you don't have to relive that and, and whatnot. Cause a lot of time in talk therapy, you have to talk about what happened to you and that can be re traumatizing. Whereas doing the brain protocol, you're bringing awareness, but you don't have to relive it. Like, you don't, like, if your grand great grandfather was in Auschwitz, you know, you don't have to relive that. It's just bringing awareness to the table and understanding that your nervous system has been formed based off of that experience and your nervous system is in a flight or fight, you know, is in a sympathetic state in order to protect you. Because all your nervous system is doing is trying to protect you. And so, you know, at the end of the day, when we're trying to release trauma, it's all in the name of safety. And that's my, I've spent my, my career now is focused on that. And that's all I do is help find people uh, feel safe in their bodies using movement. You're using it using the brewing protocol and I use it using movement. And I'm pretty sure if I took a deeper dive into what the brain protocol is, there's some movement in there that, con- that is quite congruent, and, and it's, it's there. So it's just that you have all the layers. Because one that, the other thing I've learned is that no system heals alone. It's all connected. All the people, you know, the endocrine system, the circulatory system, the lymphatic system, they all work together. And from what I remember, the brain protocol addresses all of these things, correct?
1: It addresses all these things, and that's right. It- and it's in, in our present model of medicine, it's very challenging to go to a cardiologist because you have a heart problem, <laughs> but somebody isn't looking at your nervous system and your endocrine right. system, your digestive system and your, you know, your, how all your different organs are working. You can't just f- focus on one organ thinking that everything else gonna is going to solve it. Properly. Right,
0: Right. It all works together. So that's why the Brain Pro, that's what makes this... Unique and different, and why everybody could benefit from it because it allows you to take a look at all the systems and figure out how they can work congruently. But at, at the end of the day, it comes, you have to bring awareness to, you have to answer the question, what happened to you? That has to come up. And you, you know, like, what happened to you? And then you can move forward from there. So, um, a question I have, though, for the pr- protocol, you said it's hard work. All healing is, <laughs> I've yet to meet anybody, do any kind of healing modality. And it's like, yeah, this is easy. I'm like, if it was easy, everyone would do it and we would move forward, right? It's hard, but how long does it take to go through the seven phases of the protocol?
1: That's a great question, and that's very individual. Uh, they, they, and what generally happens is that you know, start. everybody starts at the first phase. Construction at 18-month phase. There's specific remedies that are given during that phase. <laughs> and then every month uh, I have a discussion and interview and ask them how they went. I ask clients to keep them note how things went. And depending on what they tell me, uh, I will decide, okay, we're ready to move on to the next phase, or we're not ready to move on to the next phase. Ah, okay, so uh, we go through. So we, each, each phase is invariably a different number of months of therapy. Uh, the longest one person uh, has been in one phase, that I can remember, is two different people. Uh, it took them eight months to get through the phase five, which is the cardiovascular phase, heart phase, for obvious issues that happened during that particular 17, 18, 20, 20 of life. Some people, uh, you know, what's the shortest that somebody has gone from I've never seen them before to totally finish the brain protocol? Probably is about two and a half years, uh, hmm. early speaking. <clears throat> now, it's not that you have to go through the whole thing until you suddenly feel different. Literally, from the get go, people are starting to know something is different, just like that boy with the very first time within one week, something's different. So, may not be that quick for some people in uh, general, but generally speaking, by the time you get into the first couple of phases, how I'm experiencing life. And so working with uh, your practitioner who has studied the brain protocol, one of my goals, in addition to teaching people I've already taught, uh, is to teach more people now that I've written a book, they will have a much better reference, they'll have a much better understanding. Uh, you know, When I started doing this, I went on Dr. Ganol's experience and Dr. Cano's, uh you know, sharing with me what people were doing and having one-on-one conversations. We're grateful for for that man, who was so brilliant. What they left is so much too early. In life definitely has a legacy. He shared, uh, like, carrying it on. Hopefully, many other practitioners will be willing to carry it on to the benefit of society in general. Uh, which is, of course, why I ended up writing the book and. Despite the challenges of writing a book, at uh, multiple times of uh, editors, publishers saying do this, do that, which I did, uh, I think we have a pretty good representation of uh, what the brain protocol represents and what people ultimately have the potential opportunity to experience. And their their experience will literally be based on what they wish to do with the information. You know, in, the, in early in the book, I say some lay people may choose to just read that. There's divided into three parts, I <clears throat> uh, just to read the first two parts. The third part is really more for practitioners because it explains in more detail the actual remedies, but right? if people are interested in knowing the types of remedies that uh, will be given, uh, they should read the whole book. But certainly, right. the thirds of the book uh, will be of great interest to them uh, because it literally lays out the physiology of the body, how all the organs are related, how different parts interact with other parts.
0: So if I'm not a physician, can I pick up the book and do the protocol myself?
1: Absolutely not. It's like trying to treat yourself for any type of a health problem. I do not recommend that uh, at all. That's not why the book is written. It isn't written so that people do sort of uh, self-treatment. And the reason is because it's almost impossible to be objective uh, about what's happening. What do you do when a challenge comes up? How do you interact with that? How do you manage that? So, there needs to be some type of, in my opinion, some type of professional interaction with a person beyond the, who you see in the mirror every morning that basically will have a, a good idea. People think, oh, I can do this myself. And my experience is people can't. That no because, one heals alone. Because they can't be ejected.
0: No one heals alone. At the end of the day, you can't heal yourself.
1: And in fact, you know, one of the things that I've said, not only for the brain protocol, but for any healing, uh, people who don't have a support system don't do nearly anywhere near as well as people who do have a support system. Right. Because we all need support systems. We are human beings, we're mammals. Uh, we live, uh, we don't live uh, as hermits because social interaction actually is a very, very important part of our willingness to participate in life.
0: Right. So, a cornerstone to healing is understanding that co regulation is paramount. You have to have co regulation in order to heal. That is by far, when you, so the way I explain, uh, I ask a lot of people when I take, when they take my masterclass in terms of how to start connecting with your emotional body, i.e. your autonomic nervous system. When a baby is born, what does the baby want? What's the first thing the baby wants? It's connection, skin to skin connection, right? That's what the autonomic nervous system wants. It's co-regulation. All of us on this planet That's what we're all. What we're all when we came into this earth. That's all we wanted was that connection and that to co-regulate with somebody else. And some of us spend our entire lives trying to find that person, place, or thing, or not not place that person or animal. That's why some people really co-regulate well with animals because their nervous system they they feel that they feel connected. And it could be a you know anything that has an autonomic nervous system. All mammals have one. And that's what makes us. That's what connects us. Um, on, a, on a, that's what connects us at the end of the day. And so that's what your nervous system wants to co-regulate. So how will this book help us co-regulate, Dad?
1: The book will allow you to uh, have, I would say, change your interaction with those people who are in your sphere of influence, family, uh, your colleagues, work people in your workplace, etc. And I think it'll allow. Uh, you to appreciate and understand how they react. You know, sometimes when a colleague or a family member may be upset, you may think, what's wrong with them? Like, why don't I, you know. And by, by you experiencing and reading the information that's available, uh, and what I've come to realize with people is people experience things because of what they have experienced in their life their reaction is 100% based on their experience. You cannot live their experience because you're not them per se. However, what it'll help you do is to understand that they have specific challenges. And maybe uh, they, you know, whether you say something or not say something, if you feel comfortable enough to say something, say there is a protein. It's not about, oh, you have to go and see a psychiatrist and talk about this type of thing but there are specific reasons why you experience the types of things, why you do think the way you do think uh, invariably. And so how people can utilize the book is by themselves realizing that how they interact with everyone else in the planet is something based on their perceptions of life through life. And hopefully if something, I'll say is a some, somewhat negative uh, interaction, they will be allowed to move past that and realize that that no longer serves Being upset at somebody doesn't really serve anybody. It doesn't serve you. It doesn't serve the purpose that you're upset at. And you can have a discussion with somebody without getting upset and have a reasonable conversation. And you both be in the middle as such. Uh, we, as a world, as a planet, uh, learn to get along with each other so much better, which is a huge part of the present world, really.
0: Right. Because all you hear now, the constant message you hear is be kind. Like the fact that we're constantly have to be told that we're be kind, be kind. Like people are just not kind. Why are people not kind? Well, it's because based on their experiences that something happened in their nervous system, it's what happened to you. Why aren't people kind? Because something happened to you that is trying to protect you. And so you're not kind because the last time you were kind, something happened to you that didn't make you feel safe. So that's where we have to be reminded. And so this brain protocol is an opportunity for you to get to that root cause, to help you reset your nervous system so that you can move forward and be kinder to yourself first and foremost. And that's what your purpose is all about. And then to, to others. And so that if you, and that's why finding out what your purpose is, is so, so important because the number one person, you know, when we talk about purpose, everybody's like, yeah, my purpose is to serve others. This and that's all humans do. That, that's what we all, We're we all here to help other people feel good. We always take care of them. We always fill their cups and, and whatnot. But where we're failing is that we're not filling up our own cups. We're not following our own purpose because we don't know what that is. And hopefully, this brain protocol can help you get on point. So I have a question then. Do you need to know what your purpose is before you do the brain protocol? Would that be helpful?
1: Anything that you do beforehand is helpful, but is it absolutely necessary? Nothing theoretically is necessary other than the fact that you're willing, you're open, willing to share, you know, some things that ultimately come up. uh, You have done, uh, you know, you're doing biological therapies, as we've discussed in the uh, in our previous podcast. If you're not doing any of those, if uh, you know, if you're not willing to look at things that are most nourishing for you, it'll be tougher. It's still a benefit to read the book because maybe that will encourage you to make changes uh, sure. for what's going on. But you know, theoretically, my only request that when I do recommend this uh, to my patients uh, is that they basically are on board, that they understand that uh, this isn't something that it's a, a one and done. It's not a one month thing or a seven month thing where you go through one month of each. It's something that ultimately will allow them to evolve in their own life and as I said, doesn't, you don't have to finish it before you experience that. And people are typically experiencing something different easily within what the first wants to do. Which is why they are encouraged to keep going. Why they're encouraged to, what's next? What's next? What can I uncover next? How can it help me uh, get through for me to interact with my own children or grandchildren uh, or like work colleagues or just my next-door neighbor? Uh, yeah.
0: Right. So basically, everybody should get buy this for their doctor, <laughs> give it to their doctor, make their doctor read it, <laughs> and then they can do it together. Um, like, let's say I, I, I buy the book and my husband and I do it together. Could, would that work? Or it should be with a health professional?
1: I do not recommend somebody doing this without having some form of a professional who has some understanding of ener- energy therapies. Okay. Who- Good understanding of physiology because during this you get a cold if something happens sort of a, your trauma requires hospitalization. I generally say if you get a cold, you know you're not gonna we're not gonna give you anything to treat it. If you get a sinus problem, I giving you something. Mm-hmm. There's a reason you get a sinus infection without really having a sinus infection. If you think you have a sinus infection, you really don't. You're just That's expecting right. something that you. For sure. The brain remembers that this will you may have all the symptoms. So, yes, we'll have you do a nebulizer. Yes, we'll have you do alternating hot and cold, but I'm not going to be having you take an antibiotic or more vitamin C or that's like mm. no. You're having to let the body go through it. Process it. it. Don't have to go through it again. So that's a challenge if people are not have some degree of medical understanding physiologically. Uh, for uh, of what they're going to experience, and you know people are trained. my patients are trained well enough. they know that you can always use hydrotherapy. there's mm-hmm. always things that they can do to treat any type of an acute issue uh, that that they may experience while doing. so right. yes, things that they do, but it's not like we intervene. We let the body go through what it has previously gone through. Because that's the way you bring it to consciousness. And that's the way the body's, oh, I can let it go. ever after Right. Yeah.
0: Which is the hard part. <laughs> it's like, that's the hardest part. Is that you actually have to, like, you, you got to go through it. And that's the thing. They always say that for healing. You, get, you just can't go around it. You can't go over it. You got to go through it. You got to, you know, sit with the emotions. And that's hard because a lot of times when we're talking about trauma, we're avoiding feeling. And the fact that when you're doing this protocol, I'm I'm gonna guess you're gonna feel a whole heck of a lot that are unco- some uncomfortable things, and if you don't have that support, if you don't have that uh, an ability to co-regulate somebody when you're going through that, that's yeah, that's not gonna go too well. That's gonna it could be re-traumatizing in a way, right? Because your body doesn't feel safe. So it's like oh my god. But understanding that, you know, the body. The body doesn't do anything by mistake. And that's what's amazing about the body. Awesome. This is going to be an, eval- this is an invaluable resource to so many people. So I'm like, I'm excited that it's going to be hitting shelves soon, that the world's going to be able to have this opportunity to dive into the legacy that you're, you're sharing with the world. And I'm excited to see how this can impact the rest of the world and especially knowing that people are getting sicker. And, and people are like, you're saying, like you're saying, people are getting sicker and sicker and we've talked about in past podcasts, why that's happening and comes back to, you know, perception and whatnot, but trauma is a big piece of the puzzle. And our nervous systems are just not as resilient anymore because the cup is full. And so we need to be able to help find ways to reset it in a, I'm going to say more natural, I guess, more biological way instead of pharmacological way, as some other people will do. And that's why like EMDR works because you're working with the eyes. You know, there's all these different things, you know. So if you're someone that has been healing, doing the work, this brain protocol is definitely something you should definitely look into because it may take you to the next level if you've been stuck in some way, shape or form. Um, Is there anything else you want to add about the book, Dad? Uh,
1: The book is available on uh, my website, drdixontom.com. Available on Amazon, not yet available by book, but that's in the works. uh, That will also be available uh, in the near future. And uh, as we go along with future podcasts, uh, we'll be able to update you on other availabilities.
0: This is something we need to add to your library, people. So stay tuned for ways to to be able to access it in different ways. And uh, I'm trying to convince my dad to put it on audio, but... We'll see. <laughs> it might take another four years, but we'll see. But thank you so much uh, for telling us about your book, Dad. I'm I'm really excited that uh, that it's been published and that you have been able to uh, gift the world with this amazing information because I, it will it will make a difference for so many people. And I thank you for <laughs> writing it down so that I can hopefully I can continue to carry the torch, be one of those people that carry the torch, yeah, for years to come. Um, Thanks so much for being here and for listening to our podcast. We appreciate you and uh, we look forward to chatting with you next time because we're going to be talking about migraines. So you know, what's going to help with migraines, the brain brain protocol. So get the book. (laughs) All right. Thanks so much for being here. We appreciate you. Thank you for connecting with us and we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you again. We want to remind you that knowledge isn't power. Applied knowledge is power, where knowledge turns to experience. We encourage you to implement the information shared, allowing you to shift your energy from head to heart.
1: If this is your first time listening, we would love for you to subscribe uh, to connect and grow with us in the coming weeks.
0: If you'd like we what you've been hearing today, we encourage you to go wherever you're listening to leave a review. Tell us what you loved about the episode, tell us which one was your favorite and share topics you would like us to talk about.
1: And if you're interested in learning more about biological medicine, uh, go to my website, drdixontom.com.
0: And if you'd like to learn more about how to shift your nervous system and heal using movement, I encourage you to visit fitomize.ca to learn more. Thanks for listening. And we look forward to connecting with you on the next episode.